Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join the discussion, email us at yogahour at unity.fm. Now, here's your host, Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, our time to open our hearts and our minds to the infinite. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien, and I'll be sharing with you today some insights and practices from the spiritual tradition of yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization. Yoga is both a path of self-realization and a practice, the techniques that help us purify the body and the mind to realize our essential nature. The word yoga often is defined as oneness, union, or unity, and this really refers to bringing our attention and our awareness to consciously Uh, rest in our essential spiritual nature, meaning to be restored to our original wholeness. Yoga is self-realization, knowing our true spiritual nature, and of course then living in harmony with it. Today uh, we begin a series of programs um, based on the teachings of Ashtanga Yoga, the eight limbs of practice that is found in um, Patanjali's Yoga Sutra, the step-by-step guide for spiritual realization and fulfilled living. And uh, joining me today is Nikolai Bachman. Nikolai has been teaching Sanskrit, chanting yoga philosophy, Ayurveda, and other related topics since 1994. And he has a real knack for synthesizing and organizing the complex topics of the philosophy into simple and understandable presentations. Um, His education combines informal traditional study with academic rigor of university classes. Nikolai studied extensively at the American Sanskrit Institute, the Ayurvedic Institute, the American Institute of Vedic Studies, and the Vedic Chant Center. He's authored several 
um, very helpful tools um, for studying the Yoga Sutras. He has Sanskrit book CD learning tools, including the 108 Sanskrit flashcards, language of yoga, the language of Ayurveda, the Yoga Sutras, an essential guide to the heart of yoga philosophy. And his latest book, The Path of the Yoga Sutras, which we'll draw from today, a practical core, a practical guide to the core of yoga. And just released is a new chakra poster um, where true to the way that Nikolai has been putting out products for our study, this one is really um, drawing from the authentic teachings about uh, chakra and from the uh, chakra uh, Nirupana and uh, has the mantras and the sounds and the colors as they have been indicated in the ancient teachings. So uh, welcome, Nikolai. I'm so delighted that you're here. You are, of course, the perfect person to have us launch this topic. Thanks for letting me be on the show, Ellen. Thank you. And, and before we start our conversation about Ashtanga Yoga, let's just begin with a moment of meditation. Every moment is full and complete. Every moment is the potential for our full awakening to realize that which we are, pure existence being, birthless, deathless, beyond thought, beyond phenomena. We are the light, the witness that shines in the body, in the mind. So in this moment, we simply move our attention from the periphery of our awareness into the depths. And you you can use your breath to do that as you breathe in. Just feel that you're pulling your attention and your energy within. And as you breathe out, feel that you're letting go of any clinging to thought or sensory involvement. Just letting yourself be fully present here and now as the witness noticing the breath coming in, the breath flowing out. When we pause for a moment, remembering that we abide in that one reality that is the source and substance of all that is, never separate from the source. When we pause for a moment and remember that, peace fills our hearts and our minds. So as we touch that peace today, let's remember to take it with us wherever we go. To share your peace with all beings everywhere. We're going to begin this uh, 
series on Ashtanga Yoga just with the topic Living Yoga Every Day because really this uh, teaching of yoga is not only a deep uh, esoteric teaching for how to uh, awaken to our true nature, how to be enlightened, how to experience the truth of our being, but it's also a very practical step-by-step program for how to be awake, how to live in the world, uh, and be aware. This uh, Patanjali's uh, Yoga Sutra outlines these eight steps of yoga, and this is a universal program for anybody who's seeking spiritual realization and fulfilled living. This method compiled from ancient Vedic philosophy and practices of yoga, uh, you will find in the second chapter of Patanjali's treatise, the Yoga Sutra. So in these eight concise but very profound steps, it gives us a foundation for how to live uh, in an enlightened way, in harmony with our highest self. Uh, Nikolai, in your most recent commentary on the Yoga Sutra, the path of the Yoga Sutras, um, you note that these steps, these eight steps work from the inside out and the outside in. So let's just begin with talking a little bit about how this method actually works for us and what is the key to its success. Yeah, the eight limbs are actually ordered from outer to inner. And Patanjali typically uses this order in many of his lists because that's the order we're all going towards. Um, This practice is all about cultivating an inner orientation. So moving from external kind of uh, uh, life, you know, uh, things on the outside to focusing more on the inner self, uh, cultivating uh, sort of an inner world in a sense, uh, and gradually kind of becoming less and less sort of involved or caught up in the outer world, even though we're still, you know, living and, and doing what we need to do. So, you know, the order is outer to inner, but when you look at all of the limbs, they're all kind of reinforcing, they all kind of reinforce each other. So, you know, um, even though we're st- usually it's easiest to start with the outer ones, uh, and we're going to be talking about that today, you know, nonviolence and truthfulness and, you know, uh, ethics, um, <clears throat> and then working on the body, uh, purifying the body, purifying and purifying and purifying all the different layers of ourself. Um, and they, the purification can happen in both directions. So you can start, you know, if you sit and meditate, it will have an effect of purifying, you know, your mind and your breath and ultimately will have an effect on the body. Uh, just as on the outside, if you eat a healthy diet and you act in an ethical way, that will help, um, you know, that outer, those outer practices will help purify the uh inner aspects of yourself. And exactly. I mean, it is um, such um, a thorough system because, you know, um, to try to meditate if your life um, is in is out of balance or um, you're living in ways that are, are harmful or unethical, it's very difficult to meditate because that way of living is not in harmony with the core of our being. Um, 
so when we sit to meditate, you know, the, the, our conscience um, prods us, the mind spins, the body is full of tension. And, and so, you know, bringing our life in, into order with the truth of our being, truthful living, dharmic living, um, helps to, um, as you say, purify the mind, um, quiet the mind, and it makes meditation easier. And, um, and then of course meditation increases our ability to be discerning. You know, it purifies the mind so that the inner light of awareness, um, can shine more, more fully uh, on our discernment process. And, and, and we see more clearly then, you know, how to live in ways that are in harmony, uh, with the truth of our being. So I just sort of see it as this feedback loop, you know, that goes around and around that the, the two, this uh, dharmic living or ethical living, truthful living and meditative practices really cannot be uh, separated from each other. Um, and we're going to begin by talking about the yamas and niyamas, the restraints and observances. But before we do, um, Nicolay, it's always so wonderful to hear your uh, Sanskrit. And so would you offer a prayer for our study and contemplation this morning? Sure. Let me chant it and then I'll say what it means. Oh, Asatoma Sadgamaya Tamasoma Jyotir Gamaya Mrityorma Mritam Gamaya Oh, Shanti Shanti Lead us from untruth to truth, from darkness to light, and from death to immortality. It's beautiful. Thank you. It really is the prayer of a practitioner of yoga. Um, You know, let us be led towards the illumination of consciousness that we may know the truth of our being and live in harmony with it. And we find um, in in the Yoga Sutra these eight steps that um, are leading us in the direction, purifying um, the body and the mind, leading us in the direction of realizing the truth of our being. And it it first gives us a foundation for living in the world or ethical living. And I, I really appreciate what you've done in your new book, Nikolai, The Path of the Yoga Sutras, where you've, of course, taken each um, of the practices, each of the um, yamas and niyamas, and, um, and then offered very practical suggestions for, you know, how to reflect on them in our daily lives. And um, so I, as we approach them today in our conversation, let's, let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, starting right with the first of the uh, restraints, ahimsa, nonviolence. Yes, ahimsa... You know, it's, of course, the yamas are the first limb, and ahimsa is the first of the five yamas. So that tells you something right there. Uh, ahimsa 
non-violence, non-hurtfulness, is actually, you know, all the other yamas and niyamas are said to be in service of ahimsa, non-violence. So if you if non-violence is not in place, then the others don't have as much uh, power, uh, don't have as much um, weight. So, you know, the um, <clears throat> non-violence, this can mean a lot of things, too. Uh, it can mean, it's mainly, you know, treating others with kindness, uh, not reacting in a negative way, in a destructive way, or a hurtful way to another person or another being, uh, especially, uh, <clears throat> you know, in a, like in a conversation, uh, if, if somebody pushes your buttons or something, you know, it's better to kind of think about what's been said and always, always uh, see another person as that divinity. And if anything comes your way, any um, comment comes your way that you might feel uh, offended by or something or have sensitivity to think about that uh, before you uh, respond and try to respond in a, in a helpful and productive way, in a way that tries to understand where the other person is uh, coming from. And really these practices are um, always designed to help us get out of clinging to the ego sense, right? And, you know, as you're talking about this, Nikolai, that, you know, practicing ahimsa um, just practically in our everyday relationships um, requires us to try to step back from the personality self, from the ways in which we might get our feelings hurt, take things personally. You know, that's all about identifying with ego. And certainly that's there, you know, because we're human beings and we, you know, we say, ouch. But when you're practicing yoga, you recognize that that's not all of you. You know, that's just a part of you and uh, that you you have another choice then. And I think all these practices really are about the the choice that we have in any given moment um, to either be, you know, identified with the lower self, um, the false self, the ego self, or the witness consciousness <clears throat> or the higher self. And so, um, with Ahimsa, you, and you have given some exercises in the back of your chapter on Ahimsa, some thoughts, you give some reflections, you know, I alone am responsible for my thoughts, words, actions, you know, we could add feelings to that as well, right? You know, no yes. one else makes us feel a certain way, so, you know, it's beginning to cultivate that awareness of having a choice about... Um, how we will respond in any given situation. And these teachings, of course, are all based on spiritual principle. So Ahimsa starts right there with the oneness, that we are all one. And um, and so what we do to others, um, in a sense, comes back to us. It's time for us to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to finish looking at the yamas and move on to the niyamas. You're listening to the Yoga Hour with guest Nikolai Bachman. His website is sanskritsounds.com, and you can find information about that new chakra poster there. We'll be right back. 
If Unity Online Radio has helped you grow spiritually through programs like this one, please consider supporting this online radio programming. Visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you for helping us continue to serve as the voice of an awakening world. He's the most talked about figure in history. How do you see Jesus? As a savior, a way shower, a mythical hero. In his cutting-edge new book, Jesus 2.1, An Upgrade for the 21st Century, Reverend Dr. Thomas Shepard explores the many human concepts of Jesus. The man of Nazareth has been an imaginary spiritual playmate for millions. Best friend, confidant, silent lover, surrogate father, brother, husband, trusted king when earthly governments fail, all-purpose superhero who will save the day before the final credits roll. Jesus is like a program that has been adapted through the ages while the basic code remains undisturbed despite all subsequent modifications. Now it is our time to rewrite and reinstall the Jesus program with updates for today, just as every previous generation has done and every subsequent generation will do. The Romans killed Jesus for being a revolutionary. Every succeeding generation kills him anew by losing sight of the ongoing revolution in human consciousness that he represents. Explore the new book, Jesus 2.1, at www.shopunity.org. Unity Online Radio is turning five this year, and we're throwing the biggest bash of all. A cruise to the Caribbean, November 10th through 17th, 2012. We'll celebrate in style aboard Holland America Line's Eurodam with sunshine, fine dining, and a selection of island excursions at beautiful ports of call in the Eastern Caribbean. Plus, feed your spirit with music, message, and meditation. Your favorite host will be there, and we hope you join us too as we celebrate five years of spiritual programming at Unity Online Radio. For more information, go to www.unity.fm slash cruise. Listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien, and I'm joined today by Nikolai Bachman, author of the new book, The Path of the Yoga Sutras, a practical guide to the core of yoga. So we're going to continue our conversation about the eight limbs of yoga practice that are outlined in Patanjali's Yoga Sutra in the second chapter that really give us a step-by-step process uh, for cultivating uh, an inner life and for living uh, freely and harmoniously in the world. So in this segment, um, we're going to take a look at um, the first two steps in the uh, eight-step 
program, uh, the yamas and the niyamas. Um, so we're going to look at them as a group. Um, we started with ahimsa as we opened as the foundation. And now we want to look at what the other four yamas, our restraints are. But let's begin looking at them as an entire group. Nikolai, how would you approach it in that way? Well, the five yamas as a group are traditionally kind of like ethical practices, social ethics, how to interact with other others. So you have ahimsa, non, non-violence, and then satya, uh, truthfulness, and those are kind of a pair. They, they're very powerful together. Satya, of course, meaning um, you know uh, having your thoughts, your words, and your deeds in alignment. And um, when that's occurring with ahimsa, even just those two together is, is very, very powerful and a very way to live a very um, ethical life. The three after that, uh, asteya, which is translated as non-stealing, uh, I usually actually like to take asteya, the third one, and then the fifth one, aparigraha, non-possessiveness, as a, as a pair, even though it's not in the same order. Those two tend to be a little more related than that fourth one. Uh, asteya, non-stealing, so you know, not, basically not taking from others. And that can be applied, you know, as literally non-stealing, but also, for instance, in conversation, you know, not interrupting somebody. That would be uh, taking uh, attention away from them. Aparigraha, uh, non-possessiveness, would be um, not hoarding, not, um, you know, having all this stuff that you don't need. So if there are things that, you know, we like to shop in this country and, and accumulate things, but if there's things you don't need, it's better actually to donate them or share them or, you know, whatever. Um, if you don't use them anymore, um, just simply don't have them anymore. Brahmacharya, the one that's in between, um, of course, that's has to do with controlling uh, sensual and sexual uh, temptation and, and urges and keeping that in moderation and not using uh, that very powerful energy in a in a in a negative way, in a way that uh, hurts others, or is uh, you know again you have to. That's why ahimsa and satya come first. So the group of five practiced every day actively is a very very powerful way of of cultivating a clear mind and a pure mind, which um, helps with uh, the rest of the limbs. It really does, and then you can see. You know, I'm looking at the list as as uh, as you're going through it, and and in a way, when we look at brahmacharya as the right use of our energy, it kind of makes a perfect bridge between non-stealing and non-acquiring or non-possessiveness, because you know when we are self-contained you know when we're using our energy in the right way then we don't um we're not so driven you know to um to take and to use and to acquire and to try to define ourselves in that way um these these practices as you mentioned are are often referred to in a sense as the outer practices because they're ethical um uh, practices that they have to do with the way that we relate to others, the way we we are in the world. But of course, they all have an inner um, 
component, you know, they're uh, understanding the spiritual principle that is behind them. You know, each of them has a deep um, spiritual teaching. And um, so this gives us that foundation, you know, that starts with oneness, you know, non-harming, recognizing that we're all connected. And then, as you mentioned, uh, that has to be paired with truthfulness, and, and so, you know, when we're practicing truthfulness in our speech, for example, it, it's been said, you know, if you uh, say something and even though it's uh, maybe true, but it harms, um, then it just does not fulfill the vow of truthfulness. So, you know, it's interesting to, to hold them together and to have to reflect very deeply on the effects of our, of our actions uh, in the world. Um, so we have this first step with the five yamas, and then we move on to the, um, the niyamas, or what has been called the inner um, practices for cultivating um, the, the inner life. So, Nikolai, you want to go through those five and just give us some brief information about each of those. Sure. Uh, why don't I just say one thing? Uh, the yamas and the niyamas and all these limbs, remember before we said they, they help each other. So, you know, there might be somebody, for instance, who has grown up uh, in a kind of an abusive situation and is around a lot of violence, and it might be hard for them to just kind of start practicing nonviolence. So these limbs can be approached in any from any direction so someone like that might be better off doing a lot of asana for instance or purification of the body and doing the limbs that are easier for them and then that of course will have ultimately have an effect and help with uh these yamas and niyamas i just wanted to say that first um the niyamas now of course yama really means restraint or uh discipline or control it's kind of like um you know, not just acting however we want to act, acting in a way that is uh, beneficial to society. The niyamas, that prefix ni, is like brings it in. So it's like an internal yama. So now we're talking about how we treat ourselves in a sense, uh, how we work with ourselves in a more inner way um, to, again, uh, benefit not only ourselves but society. So they start with uh, shaucha, of course, uh, cleanliness, and this not only is cleanliness of your surroundings, you know, keeping things relatively clean, everybody has their own threshold of messiness, uh, but if your surroundings are such that it's causing your mind to be distracted or feeling um, unstable, then it might be time to clean things up a little bit because the, your surroundings are said to influence um, your mind state. Uh, it also relates to cleanliness of, of course, the mind, as so a mind, body, um, you know, everything, all the layers uh, this applies to. And then we have santosha, uh, contentment. So that's one that's easy to, you know, okay, now I'm going to be content. Well, it's not that exactly that easy, but contentment is kind of cultivated by uh, many of the its surrounding uh, practices, like shaucha, like the five yamas, and like the last three niyamas, which are, of course, a very, very powerful uh, triad of practices. So santosha, you know, 
basically it has to do with kind of gratefulness, being grateful of what you have, being happy with where you are. It uh, doesn't mean you're not trying to move forward and, you know, improve yourself, but it's wherever you are, just be happy that that's where you are. Uh, that's an aspect of uh, Santosha contentment. Um, the last three niyamas is this, again, this very powerful triad tapas. It's translated as uh, practice causing change. I, I'm going to talk about this in a way that hopefully people can understand. Uh, I'm going to start with the middle one, actually, because remember, Patanjali orders them from outer to inner, not necessarily in the order that one practices them. So, Svadhyaya, the, the um, middle one, self-observation. I think it begins there. Looking at yourself, if something happens, that you know, did something that you're not proud of, or, uh, you know, you're end of the day, you're thinking, oh, uh, let's see what I really was happy about that I did and what I wasn't so happy about, that, you know, maybe an interaction that didn't go so well, etc. And then sort of analyzing that, actually, and, and contemplating it. Thinking about how you might have been able to behave differently uh, had you, you know, thought about it more, and so that will actually help with coming up with the plan. Okay, here's what I'm going to try to do next time, and then tapas. This uh, would be like the implementation phase, um, actually implementing that plan, which is sort of like a change. It's a behavioral change, and it's very, very it can be very difficult to do. Um, but if you can go ahead and if you can actually implement the plan, that's a really great start. So that's the tapas phase, practice causing change. It actually is the change phase. And, third, and that yeah. that word um, indicates heat, and uh, and it, and of course um, we experience that. You know, you're talking about the self study where we're reflecting on our behaviors, and then we make a decision to change them. And if you have a habitual pattern of uh, reacting, and you make a decision, you know, not to react. When that occasion arises, um, there's the energy, the 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 uh, the, the motion, the forward motion the of momentum. that habitual, pa- the momentum, yes, of that habitual pattern. And it, when you put the brakes on, um, there's a there's a heat or an energy that's there. And uh, and yoga says, you know, use that energy instead in a positive way. Um, you know, it's your energy, it's your life force, um, it's your Atma Shakti, you know, use that, uh, direct it instead of um, letting the patterns in the mind uh, drive your your action. Um, and, and so I think that probably takes us too in, into the last one of uh, Ishwara Pranidhan. And I will wait for you to talk about that one a little bit. Okay, yeah, so the, the, yeah, that whenever something is difficult to do, it's said to cause heat, and especially when you're changing your own behavior, especially when you have a very strong habitual pattern, that's going to create that, it's like the uh, heat of discomfort or the heat of just doing something differently. It's, it's, it feels strange and it, it's said to create heat, and that heat is the, said to be the beautiful heat of change. Ishvara Pranidhana is, <clears throat> is the, Part of this that where you say, okay, I've come up with a plan, I'm going to implement the plan, 
and I'm going to let go of the results. So whatever you do to, you know, try out to affect your behavior, if it works, that's great. If it doesn't work, it's still great. You need to, it's part of this tradition is letting go of the fruits of action, the results of action. Ishvara Pranidhana is kind of a combination of having faith that it's going to work, but also kind of letting go of the results. And if it doesn't work, just sit and think about something else you could try and then try that out. But to be attached to your expectations is kind of setting yourself up for being disappointed and kind of throwing you off center. Yeah, it really really puts the ego in charge of our yoga program, <laughs> which which we don't want. You know, yeah, we, right. that it, it's right. the opposite of the of the goal. You know, like I I did this, I accomplished that, and so it's so beautiful that the niyamas uh, conclude. You know, with this one that basically says, "Let it go." You know, let it all go. You have all these practices, and sometimes you know, in the uh, live, living the eternal way class that we have at the center annually, where we you know take time to practice each of the uh, restraints and the observances, um, sometimes the first experience that people have is that it feels so difficult to bring that much awareness um, to how, you know, we are living. And, you know, first what happens is they observe the ways in which, um, you know, they're not living in integrity, you know, they're not telling the truth or, um, or they're, you know, accumulating more than they need. You know, I mean, any one that you point to, you know, we all could say, I could, I could improve, uh, in that area. So if the ego is in charge of that, um, you know, the path become, can be very, um, discouraging. Um, and the ego can get also reinforced, you know, anytime something happens according to our desire, then we can think, well, you know, I did that. And, um, you know, that's just reinforcing the sense of separate self. So that, that last practice says, oh, you know, and by the way, let that go, you know, let go of the sense that you are separate from the source, that you are this, this ego being. <laughs> Yeah, well, well said, Ellen. Um, and of course, you know, Ishvara Pranidhana is directly related to samadhi. So, this practice of Ishvara Pranidhana is is said to be very, very important um, for going inward because you pretty much need to let things go uh, to go get to that state where you're experiencing this oneness with your uh, inner self. The ego pretty much can't be uh, involved with that. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I know I, I know what you're saying. It's, it's, it's a tough one. You know, sometimes if, if you think, oh, I have these yamas and I'm not practicing any of them, and I'm, you know, it might be good just to maybe try one, uh, take one at a time, and just do it gently over time, step by step, because ultimately that will that will serve you better. It's almost like changing your diet. You know, you can't, if you try to change it drastically, uh, cold Turkey, it's, it's very difficult to do, but if you just gradually change it over time, not only will the change tend to last, but it will, it will actually 
be better for you, better for your body, because it's a gradual change. Absolutely. And, and you know, what you're describing is, is really, I think, a way more of working um, from the inside and letting change naturally unfold. You know, when we try, we work too much from the level of ego and we, we try to change everything all at once. Um, you know, that has a way of, of backfiring. Paramahansa Yogananda said, you know, our, our devotion to God, or we could say our devotion for the path, you know, um, should, should be like a wood fire you know, that burns long and steady and slow and not like a straw fire, you know, that blazes up but then quickly goes out. So, um, you know, you bring up a good point. Yoga is a lifetime practice. And so, uh, and in fact, you know, I think one of the definitions of yoga really is moderation. And that's uh, one of the things that we have to learn. So um, it's time for us to take a break again, and when we come back, we'll be talking about those limbs that then take us into the experience of samadhi, oneness consciousness. You're listening to The Yoga Hour with special guest Nikolai Bachman. Nikolai's website is sanskritsounds.com. Find out more about his books and his latest new chakra poster. We'll be right back with you. Hello, listeners. Did you know we've gone mobile? That's right. Your favorite Unity online radio programs are available on your mobile device. Now you can take us with you wherever you go. Using apps from Live 365 or Stitcher, you can listen to Unity online radio live or on demand. To learn more, visit www.unity.fm and click on Mobile Listening. Music Speaks Louder Than Words is an inspiring, informative, and fun hour of uplifting, heartfelt music and commentary that delivers a powerful message of love, joy, and oneness. It will keep you smiling and singing along. Your host, Dale Worley, is alive with the Spirit of God each Thursday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, with Music Speaks Louder Than Words. Music, it's the only thing that the whole world listens to. Listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. If you have a question, please submit it via email at yogahour at unity.fm and we will respond. Now, back to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Ellen Grace O'Brien, and my guest today is Nikolai Bachman, author of the new book, The Path of the Yoga Sutras, A Practical Guide to the Core of Yoga. And in the first two segments of the program today, we've been talking about the foundation um, for purifying um, the body and the mind um, to be able to experience our essential nature, you know, without interference. The teachings of yoga um, don't say that, you know, we should um, practice these um, austerities to um, try and become spiritual. 
Um, instead, it says, you know, we already are uh, spiritual beings. That, that That is what we are. And all of the practices of yoga are, are simply about um, purifying or making ready or bringing more light to the vehicles of the body-mind so that we can experience um, that which is already true. So in the eight steps, the first two, um, the restraints and observances are about ethical living, developing the inner life, and then the next um, six steps take us step by step into the core of superconscious meditation. So, Nikolai, let's take a few minutes now to talk about those steps um, as a progression and as a group. Okay, so the next step, the third limb, is asana. Of course, this is where most people in this uh, society begin. That's the practice of, you know, physical postures of, uh, Patanjali really was referring to seated meditation, but the doing the asana practice uh, not only purifies our body, um, but it also allows us to sit in the um, posture that is most conducive to uh, seated meditation. Asana literally means sitting. So that's a very popular practice, as we all know now, um, then asana, of course, and that leads into pranayama, pranayama, breath regulation, breath control. So asana, as asana works on the level of the body, pranayama works on the next subtlest layer, the layer of the breath and the life force. And so by practicing uh, certain breathing exercises, the goal there is to uh, make the breath you know, long and smooth and stable and quiet. So when you're breathing, especially when you're sitting in meditation, the, if the breath is erratic, it's going to affect the mind and it's going to be much harder to focus. So if the breath is smooth and stable, uh, it will be much, much easier. So that's the goal really of the mm-hmm. exercises of the um, breath is to mm-hmm. calm it down. And we're really still talking about how this um, this these steps move us in a sense from the outer um, to the inner, and we really see it in these in these limbs. You know, so we have asana that, of course, has to do with the physical body, um, the the sitting, the posture. But even with asana, then we we begin working a bit with vital force. You know, because it, it says you know the 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 seat is is one where one experiences. Um, uh, happiness or um, a sense of relaxation, right? That that's the best seat. So you have to begin having some subtle awareness of the body-mind connection even with that. And then we get more strongly into the connection with prana, life force, vital force. So we start working with the breath where it's connected. So each step then um, moves from the outer to the inner where prachahara then becomes the bridge. That's right. Pratyahara is the threshold limb. It's it's kind of neither outer nor inner. It's in between, and you might you could see pratyahara as kind of a side effect of the limbs around it, especially the inner limbs. So as you know, asana for the body, and pranayama for the breath, and then the rest of the limbs are almost you could say for the mind and and, and the, you know the inner the outer mind, the inner mind, etc. 
the last three limbs are actually three stages of meditation. The last three limbs are actually referred to as samyama in the sutras, and they're treated together most of the time. Uh, dharana, of course, being kind of choosing an object of meditation and uh, beginning to uh, try and focus on that. And then dhyana make sort of then getting to the stage where you're able to maintain a steady focus on that object without any uh, interference, without any distractions. But in that stage, dhyana, which is normally translated as meditation, you still have you as separate from the object of meditation that's still present but you're able yeah, you're to still make, yeah you're observing i am i am now meditating <laughs> that's right that's right you still exist as an individual separate from the object so but you still have this very focused meditation and the final stage of course samadhi is when your your uh your heart mind your your consciousness is so focused and so involved and so absorbed in the object that it basically, you no longer perceive a difference between you and the object. You've completely merged with the object from your point of view. And that's, of course, that final stage of sort of oneness, and that's really the goal of the Ashtanga system. And and that goal, that experience of oneness, of course, is you know beyond meditation you know meditation is the is the vehicle is the discipline um that is um you know most conducive to that experience but the goal of yoga of samadhi or oneness consciousness or super consciousness um is to be able to um, be awake in the world, you know, involved in the world, doing what we do, and still aware of that essential nature and our oneness, you know, with with all of life. So meditation is the way that we experience that directly and profoundly, so that we know it, you know, not just inter- intellectually, but through our experience, and you know, and then we're we're able to to live. From that, so you know, there's a shift that comes in our discipline, um, you know, through the experience of samadhi, through the the way in which the mind and, and body is purified through samadhi experiences. Where, um, you know, at first when we begin yoga, there's the discipline of you know restraining old habitual behaviors, um, but we find also in these teachings that that samadhi. Um, purifies the um, the seeds of the latent tendencies of those behaviors, and so repeated experiences of samadhi then are said to support us in 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 being able to live freely. So our discipline becomes less about restraining, you know, habitual behaviors than it is just living spontaneously. Yeah. So once you're once you're able to more and more, it's been more and more time in the state of samadhi that will, of course, affect once you come out, that will affect uh, the way you live. It's supposed to affect the way you live, and it, and it definitely will. And then, ultimately, you know, the goal, actually, is to you know, walk around, still functioning in society, but always seeing that divinity in all things. Um, some people call it, you know, Krishna consciousness. You can call it whatever you want. Um, 
but it's that it's that state of just kind of being this kind of heightened awareness in a sense. Um, and one of the side effects, of course, is actually that your senses are much more sharp. Um, and so, you know, that practice of these last three limbs, um, cultivating this inner uh, awareness connection with this inner self, it also, believe it or not, is the stage at which then you, you might even all of a sudden realize, oh, there is this inner self that's there because before this practice, it might not even be known to you. You know that sometimes that's the first time that people actually are aware that it actually exists. Well, exactly. Or it, it directly experiencing it. Um, you know, I know my experience prior to coming on the path of yoga was I. I intellectually knew about the self, but I didn't know how to connect with it. And, you know, yoga is the path, you know, the way that shows us how to actually um, experience that for ourselves. Yeah, and yoga, of course, is, it's completely an experiential. I mean, it's, you know, you need some intellectual to, um, information to kind of practice also, but the practice is really the core. <clears throat> Well, and I, I want to uh, thank you, Nikolai, for, for helping me um, begin this series on Ashtanga Yoga. And as we conclude um, this morning, I want to read from your book, from your uh, introduction, the chapter uh, 27 on Ashtanga, uh, The Eight Limbs of Yoga, and you quote... Um, uh, Sutra 28 in the second chapter, practicing the limbs of yoga eliminates impurities and reveals the light of knowledge, leading to a continuous and keen sense of discernment. And then your opening uh, paragraph in this chapter, the eight limbs of yoga are a set of practices that develop our civility in society and prepare us for our journey inward to discover our true nature. The deliberate order from outer to inner is consistent with the common textual theme of moving our consciousness from a gross state to a more subtle and refined state. The practice of each limb can occur simultaneously, just as all the limbs of a baby grow at the same time. Implementing all eight limbs into our life virtually guarantees that we will develop into a well-rounded human being. Our inner mind understands who we are, and our outer mind acts harmoniously with others. I think that is so well said. I want to thank you again, Nikolai, for being uh, my guest this morning, and want to remind the listeners that you can find out more about um, Nikolai's um, teaching schedule, his books, and um, products that are a wonderful support on the path of yoga. Visit his website, Sanskrit Sounds. Uh, S-O-U-N-D-S, SanskritSounds.com. And also, Nikolai is now offering webinars and uh, to help us with our understanding terms and pronunciation. And he has one that's actually beginning today, this afternoon. So if you go to his uh, website, you can find out about that. It's been a joy to share this yoga hour with all of you. I invite you to join me next week um, as we have a program with very special guest, um, my guru, Roy Eugene Davis. And he'll be joining us for a conversation about the way of spiritually conscious living. For information about programs and upcoming meditation retreats, 
uh, at Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, visit our website, csecenter.org. And I look forward to being with you next week. Until then, remember to let your inner light shine into the world, to share your peace and your joy with all that you meet. Bye, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California, a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization, www.csecenter.org. Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org. In a world that accepts mediocrity, conformity, and limitation, we are being called to shatter previously held beliefs about what is possible and live bigger, bolder, and more outrageously. As we explore cutting-edge ideas, people, teachings, and practices, we will settle for nothing less than a life lived with passion and purpose. Join Reverends Robin Ryder and Robin Ferguson live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central Time and explore what it is like to live your life out loud. Rebels with a Cause, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. According to an ancient Hindu teaching, if you can only speak the truth and tell no lies for 12 consecutive years, you can attain enlightenment. Resolve to be honest with yourself and others starting today. And after 4,383 days, you just may become enlightened. This meditative moment from Reverend Joan Gattuso and Unity Magazine is brought to you by Unity. Do you think you know all you want to know about the characters in the Bible? Do you know who could be called the king who loved too much? Or what it means to be a Jezebel? Or that the best love story in the Bible begins with the declared commitment of two women? The Bible's symbolic meaning can help you transform your life and discover the presence and power of God within you. Find out what these characters can teach you about your own life today by tuning into Biblical Power for Your Life. Each week, co-hosts Reverends Karen Tudor and E.J. Niles present a Bible character from a historical, cultural, psychological, and symbolic perspective. Your comments and questions are part of this lively discussion. Tune in every Thursday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, and power up your life only at Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology. 
Available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today.